Let's pray and ask God to help us understand his word. A gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us your word, the Bible. Please help us as we look now at this passage to understand who Christ is and to respond rightly to him. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure you've heard the saying, a case of mistaken identity. Sometimes you can mistake who someone is, they're a different person from who you think, and so you can act wrongly towards them, or inappropriately towards them, and then when you realise, you can get a real shock. The other day, a toddler came up behind me uh, in church and gave me a lovely cuddle on the legs. He looked up at me with a big smile, and then he realised I wasn't his dad. It got a terrible shock. Or a lady was telling me the other day what happened to her at a dinner party. She was talking intently to someone. Her husband, she thought, was standing beside her with his back to her. Without looking, she started stroking his hair. <clears throat> a bit later, she turned around and it wasn't her husband. He was fine about it. He assumed it was his wife anyway. <laughs> but still, it was a case of mistaken identity. It gave her a shock. I guess those are cases that aren't so serious. But cases of mistaken identity can be much more serious. Now think about that case up in Queensland. People thought that a bloke was a doctor. They went to him for treatment. Turns out he's no doctor at all. Now, some people paid for that case of mistaken identity with their lives. Or you hear stories from the Cold War. People think they can trust someone. They think somebody is a friend or an ally. They share military secrets and the person turns out to be a spy. That kind of case of mistaken identity can jeopardise the security of a whole nation. If you get someone's identity wrong, you can act wrongly towards them. And the consequences can be serious. Well, here in Acts chapter 2, we are looking at the first ever Christian sermon. Peter is addressing a crowd of Jews in Jerusalem and he says they've mistaken the identity of Jesus. They were wrong about who Jesus was, so they treated him completely inappropriately. And Peter says the consequences couldn't be any more serious. The scene is set on the day of Pentecost, a Jewish festival. All the believers are together and they're waiting, waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit that Jesus has promised them. And then suddenly it happens. With a sound like wind, with the appearance of fire, the Holy Spirit comes. And the people who believe in Jesus are filled with the Spirit and enabled to speak other languages. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. Acts chapter 2, let's read it together, and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's the Feast of Pentecost, and so you've got lots and lots of Jews in Jerusalem from all over the known world. And, and as they hear, they are amazed because most of these Christians, they're uneducated Galileans, and yet these people from all over the world hear them speaking in their own native languages. They ask, verse 7, you can see it, verse 7, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? 
verses 9 to 11, you can see some of the places where they came from. Yet verse 11, they hear the Christians, verse 11, declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Now just as a bit of a side point here, notice what the gift of tongues is. It's the gift of speaking a language that you haven't learned yet. It's got nothing to do with the meaningless babble that some people go on with in churches today. Tongues is the miraculous ability to speak about God in a language you haven't learned. But back to the point. The Holy Spirit comes and gives the Christians this miraculous ability. And the crowd are amazed, although some of them are a bit uh, sceptical. Verse 12. Verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Well, the crowd want to know what's going on, and so Peter stands up and tells them. He says, they're not drunk, way too early in the morning for that. What Peter says is, you're seeing here the fulfilment of Old Testament prophecy. And Peter quotes from a prophet, very well-named prophet, called Joel. And Joel talked about a time in the future. And there are three things that Joel said would happen. Three things that Peter says are being fulfilled right then and there in Jerusalem. First of all, Joel said that when the Holy Spirit came, God's people would be able to prophesy, that is, speak God's word. Verse 16, Peter says, This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And look what happens. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. It's the first thing. Joel also said this would be a time of judgment. And he uses all kinds of Old Testament images of judgment leading up to the final judgment. Verse 19. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Prophecy, judgment. Thirdly, Joel said that this would be a time of salvation. Everyone who calls on the name of God can be saved. Verse 21. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Peter says, you want to know what's happening here in Jerusalem on this day of Pentecost? He says the last days have come. And those three things that Joel predicted are happening. People are prophesying. That's what you can hear in your own native language. And Peter says, now is the time of judgment and of salvation. And then he goes on to explain what he means. He goes on to explain how it is the Holy Spirit has come, why it is that it's the last days. What is this judgment that he's talking about? What is this salvation that he's talking about? And it all comes back to the man Jesus. But there's a problem. A serious problem, because there has been the worst ever case of mistaken identity. Israel have mistaken the identity of Jesus. They've treated him completely inappropriately, and the consequences couldn't be any more serious. And so Peter goes on to talk about Jesus. He says, this is the miracle worker that you guys saw and heard. He did the sort of things that you couldn't do unless God was with you. Verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you 
by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. But Israel didn't recognise him. They mistook his identity. They thought he was a blasphemer, pretender, criminal. And so, as God foretold, with the help of the wicked Romans, they crucified him. Verse 23. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But death couldn't hold him down. Verse 24. God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then Peter talks about what this means, this resurrection. He, he, he quotes from a psalm that King David wrote about a thousand years before. And David had said in this psalm, as, as the king, he said, God is not going to let me see decay. He's not going to abandon my body to the grave. And Peter says, well, David obviously isn't talking about himself. But what happened in the Old Testament is God had made a promise to David. He said, David, one of your sons is going to be the eternal king of Israel, someone who came to be known as the Christ. And so Peter says, well, that's who David was talking about. It is the Christ who would not see decay, whose body wouldn't be abandoned to the grave. And then Peter says, it's about verse 30 there, seeing what was ahead, verse 31 is it, seeing what was ahead, David spoke of the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. It's the Christ who was going to rise again. And Peter says, that's what happened to Jesus. We saw it with our own eyes. Verse 32. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we're all witnesses of the fact. So here's his logic. The Bible says the Christ, the king, would be raised from the dead. Peter and the others have just witnessed Jesus raised from the dead. And so who is Jesus? He's the Christ, the eternal king of Israel. And so for Israel, there has been a terrible case of mistaken identity. They didn't recognise their own king. They thought he was a pretender. And so instead of submitting to him, they crucified him. Instead of treating him as a king, they killed him as a criminal. But it gets worse for Israel. Because King Jesus didn't just, didn't just rise again from the dead. God lifted him up to heaven, made Jesus his own right-hand man, so to speak. God gave Jesus the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus who's poured out the Holy Spirit so people could um, speak in, the, in miraculous foreign tongues. But like King David said in the Psalms, God is now going to destroy all the enemies of Jesus. It's, it's judgment time. For the enemies of Jesus. There in verse 33. Exalted to the right hand of God, he's received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. You see what Peter's saying? saying, Jesus is alive. He's at God's right hand. It's Jesus who's poured out the Holy Spirit here today. And so, says Peter to the crowd, let me tell you what this all means. Jesus, that is the Jesus that you guys rejected and crucified, is the king. Verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus 
whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Well, how would you feel? How would you feel as a Jew standing there that day, part of the people who rejected and crucified Jesus? Maybe you were even there in the crowd calling out for it. Bit of a shock, isn't it? This Jesus you crucified is reigning at the right hand of God as your Lord and Christ. God is about to squash all his enemies under his feet. Enemies, enemies like you. The miraculous demonstration of foreign languages, that's the evidence against you. The, the eyewitness testimony of Peter who's seen him rise from the dead, that's the evidence against you. How would you feel? A bit nervous maybe? Verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And that's when Peter tells them the good news. These last days, they're days of prophecy, yes, they're days of judgment, yes, but more than that, they're days of salvation. Days when all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so Peter says to the crowd, change sides. Stop opposing Jesus, stop ignoring Jesus, accept him for who he is, accept him as king, be baptised in his name, call on him to save you, and you will be forgiven. You will be given the Holy Spirit. You will be saved. That's God's promise. Verse 38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And for the Jews there that day, that is a pretty convincing sermon. They'd seen Jesus' miracles. They knew all about how he'd been falsely tried and condemned and, and crucified. Now they could see and hear the miracle of people speaking in foreign languages. Now they'd learned from an eyewitness that Jesus had been raised from the dead. That made sense to them. They realised, hey, we've got his identity wrong. He wasn't a criminal. He's our king. That day, 3,000 people were convinced. And they didn't want to be Jesus' enemy. They didn't want to be crushed and made a footstool for King Jesus. They wanted to call on Jesus and be saved, and so that's what they did. They called on Jesus, they were baptised in the name of Jesus, and they joined the early church, verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptised. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Well, do you see what Acts 2 is all about? We're in Jerusalem, it's the day of Pentecost. The believers receive the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues, and that's the sign that uh, what Joel had prophesied is coming true. It's the last days. God's people are prophesying. That is, they're speaking the message, God's message about Jesus. It's the days when judgment is coming. Those who oppose Jesus are being made his footstool. It's the days of salvation when all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Well, here we are in Chatswood in 2006. The other side of the world wouldn't have even been heard of by any of these people. We're not in Jerusalem. We're not in first century AD. We had nothing to do with the rejection and the crucifixion of Jesus. So what's this got to do with us? Well, as we're going to see later in the book of Acts, Jesus is not just the king of the Jews. 
Jesus is the king of everyone. As Peter says there, the promises of the gospel are even for all who are far off. I don't think he had Australia particularly in mind as he said that. But nevertheless, that's the case. It is the last days still. And people are still telling God's message about Jesus. You've just heard me do it. And the enemies of Jesus are still being defeated. One by one, people are dying and facing the judgment of God until the final day comes. And today, we are still in the days of salvation. Today, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus can be saved, Jew or Gentile. We can all have our sins forgiven. We can all receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit. Here in Chatswood in 2006, we are still in these last days that Peter talked about. And so the challenge to you and me is the same challenge as it was for them. It's the challenge to realise who Jesus is, to get his identity clear. Jesus is our Lord and King. And we need to respond by submitting to him, by calling on him to save us, by living our lives in obedience to him. So let me ask you, have you... Have you mistaken the identity of Jesus? Who do you think he is? Do you think he's some kind of a fairy tale, a religious myth? Or do you see Jesus as a pretender, some kind of a false prophet? Or do you think of him as perhaps some kind of innocuous figure that you can safely ignore? Do you think of Jesus as dead and buried, gone, forgotten, irrelevant, past history, You're wrong. You're wrong. You've mistaken his identity. God raised Jesus to life. God has declared him to be your king. We've got the eyewitness testimony here of Peter. And if you've mistaken the identity of Jesus, the consequences couldn't be any more serious. Because if you're refusing to submit to him, you're his enemy. You're living in rebellion against him. You're staring his judgment in the face. There's no neutral ground, to quote Bob Dylan, the famous theologian. There's no neutral ground. If we ignore Jesus, the Bible is clear. We'll be his footstool. But if we stop our rebellion, if we submit to Jesus, then we'll be forgiven and saved. It's vital we get his identity right. It's vital that we respond appropriately. The consequences couldn't be any more serious. So what if you're not sure? What if you're not sure about all this? What if, what if you just don't really know who Jesus is? Can I encourage you? Please find out. Find out. Look carefully at the testimony about Jesus in the New Testament. Think carefully about whether he is who he claims to be. Read a book like More Than a Carpenter. I think you'll find that up the back there. That's the book that originally convinced me to change my mind about Jesus. Please don't stay in the dark about the true identity of Jesus. Way too much is at stake. But what if you are convinced, like those 3,000 people were on the day of Pentecost? Well, whatever you do, don't miss this chance. God is offering to forgive you and make you his person. Is that you today? Do you want to submit to Jesus? 
Well, if you do, I'm going to give you a chance right now. Um, on your outline there, you can see a prayer that you could pray. Have a look with me at what it says. It says there, Dear God, I admit that I haven't been living in obedience to King Jesus. I've ignored and rejected him. Thanks that Jesus died and rose again for me. Please forgive me and save me from your judgment. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live for Jesus. As I read through that again now, you might want to take the opportunity to just, in the silence of your own mind, pray that prayer with me and uh, ask, call on the name of the Lord. Dear God, I admit that I haven't been living in obedience to King Jesus. I've ignored and rejected him. Thanks that Jesus died and rose again for me. Please forgive me and save me from your judgment. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live for Jesus. Now, if you've just prayed that prayer, that's great. It's the beginning of a life of submission to King Jesus. But do please come and talk about it. Come and talk to me about it, perhaps to Andrew or Krista, because those people in Acts didn't just pray a prayer, did they? They got baptised. Maybe that's something you need to talk about. They also became part of the church. They were added to the number of the church. Maybe that's something you need to talk about. Let's, let's talk about what it'll mean to live with Jesus as king. Okay, well, here's the first ever Christian sermon. It gets us right to the heart of what Christianity is on about. Jesus is Lord. He's the Christ, our king. We need to get his identity clear. We need to submit ourselves to him. Let's pray now. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you because you have opened up the days of salvation when all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus can be rescued from your judgment, given the Holy Spirit and made your people. Lord, you have been very kind in opening this opportunity up for us. Help us to think very carefully about whether Jesus is who he claims to be, who Peter claims him to be. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you help us to respond rightly to him. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.